welcome to Beyond Sunday. It's kind of exciting today. We've uh, we've got a few different guests in the room. We've got some of the normals. We've got Christian Burkhart. Good afternoon. He's, he's morning, here. Whenever you're we've listening got to Robin Albanese. She's here pulling up her faithful role of making sure that we filter ourselves and don't say anything <laughs> stupid and, and stay on task. We've even got my dog Cody here today. He's yeah, hanging out yeah. with us. Our podcast mascot. Yeah, our podcast mascot. <laughs> But yeah, it's fun today. We have we have Mike Steinwender. If you don't know Mike, he's the executive pastor here at Cornerstone, and and uh, we're excited for him to preach here at, at Cornerstone. So, anyways, that's what we'll be doing today. This is, like I said, Beyond Sunday, where our whole heart is to take something like the Word of God, which is so amazing and so true, and so full of life, and to take these ideal truths, but not just to leave them there, but out of the context of friendship. Out of the context of a specific local church, this is this is cornerstone to really begin to land it into our lives. And the thing I love is that uh, I've been on staff with Mike. How long have you been on staff? Oh, it's good. Passed by four, thir- almost fourteen years. Yeah, it's been a while. We've had a friendship for yeah. for years. He's one of the first people I got to know <laughs> when I came to Cornerstone. So that's what I mean. I think these truths aren't just supposed to be isolated to yourself. It's supposed to be done in friendship. So that's what we're going to do today. We've been in the book of Second Thessalonians, and kind of if you remember right way back in chapter one, that almost seems like forever ago. Mm. Christian started us off and. Just helped us understand what what Paul was even beginning to lay out. This group of people that were pondering this question, had Jesus already returned? And mm-hmm. he's talking to one group of people going, no, no, he hasn't returned. In fact, no, this suffering, the difficulty you're facing. No, it's there's actually a beauty to what God's mm-hmm. doing. He's he's demonstrating his faithfulness through you. And, yeah. and I think there's a beauty to what was happening there. We, we unpacked the problem. Uh, and kind of looked a little bit at that. And then uh, after I unpacked the, the problem and we looked at all the dynamics of what was going on in there, Bob talked about just the amazingness of God's choosing us mm-hmm. and what the significance of that is, is, is being these ones that have God's love upon them, which is just absolutely powerful and amazing. But now we come to the text that Mike is going to preach. And so... Mike, why don't you just real quick, so we can kind of get a running start into it. Like, why is why is this text so important? What were maybe some things that just like bounced out to you as you were kind of studying it? That it's like, man, this is why we need to pay attention to this particular text in in Second Thessalonians three. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I think for me, you know, just as we've gone through this uh, these couple of books, and we get to this middle section of this second letter, you know, where Paul has been. You know, basically shepherding the Thessalonians through, um, you know, um, not only their salvation initially, but also, you know, what it meant to be a faithful follower of Christ, mm-hmm. right? And then in chapter three, we see him where he says, "Finally," and it's almost like a pause and a halt. And it's almost if you if you think about it, you read some of the commentaries out there. It's like, is he sending saying goodbye to them? Is he saying, you know, basically what is he saying, right? And so for me, it was almost like, you know. Finally, brothers, you've heard the word, you've been saved, and you've seen us, um, you know, uh, at work, you know, uh, in the Lord. But also, you have seen us being persecuted, mm-hmm. and so finally, now, as 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 you get to this end or this point, you're gonna be persecuted as you bring forward the gospel. So, be continue to be faithful in that, and continue to uh, remember that, just like. Paul, like myself, um, it's difficult to do, right? And you need to be forward in that. And so that that's what kind of caught me in these first five verses is here's here's Paul, this shepherd of these people, um, 
you know, stopping and halting and, and then really saying, could, could you guys pray for me? Yeah. And that's what's amazing about it is to say, here's here's this, and this shepherd that, you know, has been pouring his life out to these individuals. And now now he stops and says, you know, why don't we halt here? Yeah. And why don't we take some time and, and pray? And I thought like, about that. Like he'd been praying for them. Mm-hmm. And all yeah. of a sudden now he kind of hits this pause button and goes, wait a second. Like I need I need you to pray for Absolutely. me in this, which it's what a what a like a great way to I guess create that relationship, that yeah. need of God to do a work in exactly. Him. Exactly. Wow. Well, cool. Well, in light of that, let's uh let's in this kind of this next section, let's dive in and let's really take a look at this text. Look look at the finally. Like what what is it that Paul Paul was saying to this group of people in Thessalonica? Okay. So, Mike, I love what you brought up in this passage of the the corner that Paul kind of turns from talking multiple times in the first two chapters about how he was praying for them to now enlisting their prayer for him. And it also seemed to me as you were talking, as we were looking at this passage, that at the start of this letter, Paul is very zoomed in on the circumstance of the Thessalonians. That's what they're writing about. Did we miss the day of the Lord, the suffering that we're going through? And in those first two chapters, he's really helping them to see, like, orient themselves in their immediate circumstance. But then what Bob took us through yeah. in that prayer at the end of chapter two, he says, okay, now let's zoom out to the fact that God chose you from the beginning. Don't just look mm-hmm. at your immediate circumstance. Even gain perspective on your immediate circumstance in light of the the eternal plan of God, which is so cool, right? But, and I don't know, maybe for some of us, we like to geek out in that big, huge, ethereal, gigantic idea but i love what paul does here and like you said in this transition here with that word finally in chapter three he says okay now taking you from your circumstances to the big huge Mm -hmm. eternal plan of god now let's talk about what does it look like for not just you thessalonians but for us for paul and his companions how do we now re-enter our circumstances with a sense of of walking faithfully Mm -hmm. with god could you just talk a little bit more about that of like the 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 reciprocation there of both the way Paul prays for them and then the way he calls them to pray for him. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, you know, if you, if you look at that first verse, you know, finally brothers pray for us that the, the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as it happened among you. Mm-hmm. He's really, he's re- reinforcing that, right. That like you, you've, you've seen the circumstances we've walked through those faithfully now. And, and, and again, like I said earlier, they're going to, they're still going to, he's reminding you, you're still going to be in that. And so still stay firm, stay steadfast in the Lord and, and, and really depend on him. And, and it's almost like he's telling them, you know, follow me, follow my footsteps and follow what we've done. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think it's just an encouragement for the, the, the Thessalonians to understand that they have a spiritual father that has gone through it. This isn't something that he, he's, he's, dreamt up or he just thinks has happened, but he's gone through this persecution and, over and over and over again. He's yeah. going to say, you're, you're also going to yeah. go through that. And so, not just gone through it, but continuing to going and through survive it. through it. And, and then think, think about that. He's gone through all of that, but what's happened at the result that people have come to know Jesus yeah. Christ. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and just so, like, I think the cool part, like is just, just like them. Yeah. Right? He's like, Hey, you know how it happened with you guys? I want to also see it happen again, but it's, I, I love what you guys are doing here. There's a past tense reality. It's, it has happened in him past tense reality. It has happened in them. Yeah. It is happening mm-hmm. right now. But then I love this. He's like, and because I'm going to keep 
advancing the gospel, there's going to be these wicked and evil people that are going to keep doing it, right? It's like a past, present, and even future reality that because we choose to engage in the work of Jesus, this suffering is not because Jesus has already come back. This suffering is happening because this is... This is the path of what it means to be a, a, a follower of Jesus. So he says, please pray for me like in this. And I love yeah. he's, he's saying pray for us because the work continues, right? Yeah. I, I mean, obviously we'll see in the next part of this passage, he's going to go hard after this idea of idleness or unruliness mm-hmm. or an unwillingness to work. And I think in some ways he's already kind of loading up for that by saying, by saying hey, we're continuing the work of pushing the gospel forward. Pray for us in that. There's still going to be obstacles in the midst of it, but... Yeah. I just think that 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 in and of itself is so instructive to say, ah, it's not just pray for me because I had a bad week or something like that. Pray for us because the work continues and we want to stay on target. Yeah, you know? yeah. Which is, I think that's like it. It was challenging as you were preaching through this. I I so often, even in my own self as a shepherd, I'm always thinking about how do I pray for others mm-hmm. that I probably don't model myself as a leader like Paul does here. And actually say, could you please pray for yeah, me? Yeah. Just the simple nature, right, of advancing gospel means we are going to be, we're going to hit these obstacles. We're going to hit evil people. We're going to yeah. we're going to run into those things. Which yeah. I thought the way you highlighted the mm. need of like the leaders here at Cornerstone, we, yeah. we need you to pray for exactly. us. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I, I needed to, I needed yeah. to hear that. And yeah. I, I think like not like I, I do, I mean, a kid grew up in church. So often when we ask for prayer, it's about something that happened. And, and and it seems often something unexpected that happened, you know, like I had to take my kids to the ER because something happened, you know, something like that, like, which is totally legitimate. Mm. But the way that this prayer isn't just, hey, here's a circumstance that happened. Pray for me in the midst of it. It's it's forward looking. This is what we want to see God do through us. This is how I mean, to enlist one another for prayer. Again, whether you're a leader or a member here at Cornerstone or something like that. Would you pray for me? Because I want to see the word of the Lord speed ahead. Absolutely. With the people that I'm working with, the people in my neighborhood, like to be praying those kind of prayers for one another, that is much more about the the way we want to move forward. That's inspiring to me, man. That, yeah. That's challenging yeah. me. I mean, that's why in the beginning, you know, if you, in my sermon, I really wanted to remind the body that, you know, we see here, you know, God, how faithful God was to Paul and, and you know, his back how faithful he was, how he continued to remain faithless and how he's encouraging them. He will continue to be faithful. And that's why I thought it was great to use the example of the the people as they, 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 they came out of slavery. It's like the people of Israel. It's like, you know, man, God has, was faithful then, you know, even in their grumbling, he was faithful and he continues and, and remains and states, I will be faithful. And he shows us throughout his word, how faithful he was. So I think it's a, it's a great comparison. Okay. So let's move. I, I love, that's a good segue. Verse three, right? He does, he, that's that reminder that the Lord is faithful, but then he has that statement in there. He will establish you and guard mm. you against the evil one, right? And I know some texts it's just guard you against yeah. the evil, but like, kind of. I mean, could you expand that a little bit for us? What was what was kind of Paul talking about in that particular section? Well, what I think he was talking about, and you guys can jump in freely <laughs> to, to, to in there was it was really that you know that to to, to continue. 
you know, as you, as you surrender, and I think I use this in my sermon, as you surrender, as, you know, as believers surrender to Christ and they start to walk in his light, right. And, and be obedient to him, the persecution is going to happen. And I think that's, that's kind of Paul reminding him that, that he's still going to remain faithful to you. He's going to guard you at against what is evil, right. And the evil could be, you know, the, the, the people that are attacking you because of your faith now, um, you know, especially for Thessalonians, I mean, they, they were giving everything up, right. To follow Christ. And so, so I think he's using that as just an example to say, look, there's going to be, there's going to be evil there. You, you have to expect it. Mm-hmm. And, but just remember that he's faithful to be with you through that time. And that, that's what I kind of got out of that particular verse. So mm, that's cool. Yeah. It was, it was one of those things that when I was looking at it, it does seem to be that he's, he's talking about, you know, another way of saying Satan, yeah, uh, yeah, right? That he does see this as even a grander reality than just the physical forces that they're running into. There are these spiritual dark forces Absolutely. that are also aligned against them. Mm-hmm. And Paul saw that, right? He didn't He didn't just see the physical mm-hmm. component, what we can see, taste, touch, or feel. Yeah, He saw this other reality that is definitive and that's out there that seems to play back into, and you were talking about this on the break, which I agree. Maybe you want to expand on a little bit of how does this apply all the way back to chapter two when we were talking about the man of lawlessness. Mm-hmm. Behind the man of lawlessness is obviously Satan. Yeah. Yeah, you want to maybe... <clears throat> totally. I, I would almost say even before chapter two, I, I I think there's probably a good chance that Paul is is echoing the words of Jesus from the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. 6 13. You know, uh, do, not, or, do not lead us into temptation... But deliver us from evil is the way that we often like memorize it, you know, and the way the way that we often say it. But the same thing in the Greek there is deliver us from the evil, and is just the literal way it is in Greek. And the same thing here in Second Thessalonians three, he will establish and guard you against the evil. And in in context, again, you could just say this is talking about evil in general. But the the use of that article the often makes it where where there's a person there's a person there is the ultimate evil one behind that. Um, and so it seems in some ways there is a there is a relation in between what he says in verse two, where he asks the Thessalonians to pray that they would be delivered from wicked and evil men, and it's very specifically men in Greek there. And then in the very next verse, how God will establish and guard against the evil one. Okay, where do we see in this letter a comparison or, or, or relationship between evil people and the evil one as in mm-hmm. Satan? Well, in chapter 2, when he's talking about this man of lawlessness, this ultimate human figure of rebellion against God, he says very clearly back in chapter 2, verse 9, that the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. What is it that makes him so powerful and things like that? He is empowered by, by through the energy of Satan. And so it does seem in a very interesting way because he talks about how this man of lawlessness has not yet been revealed, but there is a mystery of this lawlessness that's already at work. There is a way in which Satan is already at work in human rebellious systems. We see this like in 1 John, where he says at the end of 1 John 5, the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. So I think in that way, Paul, when he talks about and asks him to pray pray that we would be delivered from wicked and evil men. I mean, this is the same guy who a few years later will write in the book of Ephesians that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but is against principalities and powers, the rulers of this this dark evil age, against Satan and his forces. 
So I think in a very healthy way that sometimes we don't have the lenses for, Paul doesn't look at human opposition to the gospel apart from the spiritual opposition to God that that is really the driving force behind that. And we can get ourselves into a real kind of panic and, 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 and even sometimes freak ourselves out with that idea. But everything that he says here, I love, what does he say that we should pray for? If truly the, the human opposition to the gospel is empowered by Satan's opposition to God, well, pray that we would be delivered and remember that the Lord is faithful and greater is he who's in us than he yeah. is in the world. Yeah, the cool yeah. part is, is his, he's saying to them, Satan will not triumph over you. Right? Yeah. Right. There's this exactly. beautiful way in which he's really saying this, where when you, like, when you look down at this text, it's I, it's not meant to say you're not going to suffer, mm -hmm. right? He's not now saying, oh, you know, in this way you won't suffer, but in the midst of your sufferings, there's a there is truly a faithful God who will strengthen you so that you will not fall. And I was just I was thinking about it from uh, is it Second First Thessalonians three somewhere back there where he talks about them not being tempted or something like that, right? He had promised that there was a tempter that was going to come, but that and so his work would be in vain. Yeah, something along those yeah, lines, that's right? And so he, you can see in this, right, mm -hmm. that that he was that God will. The, the, he will he will shield them against kind yeah. of the wiles of the evil one that they're not they're not out there on a limb they they're actually in a wonderful company of the faithful god mm -hmm. that will protect them in the midst of it and i and he's like now pray that way yeah and pray that you see it that way pray that you you believe in that way and so i just i thought that section was so good because i think we number one we sometimes forget about those spiritual dark forces that are aligned, yeah. but then we also forget that God sits supreme over all things, including them. Yes, um, this is when we say that Jesus is the head of all rule and authority, yes. the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I mean, I think because we, we in our culture, a very naturalistic perspective, don't tend to think about spiritual beings, evil spiritual beings who are much greater and more powerful than we are. Mm -hmm. When you begin to have eyes to see that, Oh my gosh, <laughs> I, I, I'm nothing in comparison yeah. to that. But, okay, every, every time in statements like this, okay, yeah, absolutely. If, if you begin to think about that, that the, we're no match for it. But Satan and his forces are no match for our Yeah, God which I think faithful. then plays into verse 4. We yes. have confidence in the Lord mm -hmm. about you. Amen. <laughs> right? We, we trust the power of God in the midst of this in you and working through you. And I thought, you know, that was that was one of those, yeah. those no. aspects. Yeah. And in some ways, going back to what you were talking about, the Israelites in Egypt, it's it's the Israelites looking at the inhabitants of Canaan going, they're like giants and we're like grasshoppers, grasshoppers in comparison. <laughs> yeah. And then you have Caleb and Joshua going, but the Lord's with us. Yeah. Like, don't be so, so focused on the bigness and scariness of the people. Remember the Lord who's on our side. He's the faithful one. He's brought us this far. He will continue to bring us. Yeah. I think that there's a sense in which this does not in any way cause Paul to diminish the obstacles that he and he knows the Thessalonians will face. But recognize that the Lord who's with us, who's faithful, is infinitely more than enough you, to help yeah. us meet those obstacles. Do you think like, okay, so that just brought up a thought in my head. Do you think for a Paul, right, he always seemed to see not obstacles as obstacles, but obstacles as opportunities? Mm -hmm. Like, do you see him kind of doing that even in this particular text? Where the reason he's asking him to pray is that I know they appear to be obstacles, but would you pray for us? Because actually these are opportunities for God to demonstrate his power. Do you kind of see that almost yeah, yeah. in a similar way, the way God, all the obstacles the Israelites faced 
were still m mainly opportunities for God yeah. to demonstrate His exactly. power and glory. No, I truly believe that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, I mean, if you think about, you know, year after year, day after day, night after night, how He, how God provided for them, and they still challenged Him, and you know, and 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 questioned. And I think Paul's in, in this, and this is verse he's saying, or the verse part of that in verse three was, you know, like, look, you, you're gonna, the same obstacles that, that they had, the same challenges, whether, whether it's Satan directly attacking you, but, or, or not, is that you're, you're gonna, you're gonna have, you're not gonna escape it. You're gonna have them. And so, so be faithful in that. And that's why I even referenced first Corinthians chapter third, you know, 10 verses 13, yeah. that no temptation has overtaken you because I felt, I wanted the body to hear that they're not, it's, it's like, he's going to give you a way out. So yeah. don't, don't, don't sweat the big stuff per se, but uh, but be on guard. But be on guard to watch for it because yeah. it's going to happen. So, yeah, and then you you're able to bear it if, yeah. with your faith in Him. And yeah, so. the obstacle that ends up being born is the very obstacle that demonstrates the power exactly. of God in this, which you see like in there, right? You're doing and will do the things we command. Like, and we just we think you're going to do it. Like yeah. Yeah. we firmly believe that. And and what a like. And he's seen him do it before, right? And and. Chapter and verse or in First Thessalonians chapter one, where they're giving thanks for that, right? Yeah. We've seen your seen labor it. of love, and I've seen you do it before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's more of an encouragement to them to continue on. So, wow, that's powerful. I well, love, that's... I love there in verse five that that sense of the same love and steadfastness mm -hmm. that he's already affirmed them for, and said, "I see this present in you." That idea of, hey, in the midst of this, in the midst of the storms of this, may God direct your hearts, like direct the compass of your hearts mm. for the love of God, the steadfastness of life, so that way mm -hmm. you're not thrown by the obstacles. You don't, to that point, in 1 Corinthians 10, see that this is a lose-lose situation. It's like, no, there's a steadfastness in Christ that we can pursue that keeps us on track, even in the midst of I didn't see that. Can I, like his use of steadfastness mm. there, right? Like. Mm. Like there is that love of God, you know, you don't, you don't want to miss that, the love of God, but like the steadfastness of Christ mm. where, man, like, no, you, you, you can walk through this. Mm. Yeah. Like there's a way for you to stand up under this. You, you can remain faithful in the midst of this. Like that's a, in a, in a very cool way, you see Paul kind of, you, you outlined kind of the idea of his parenting back in first mm. Thessalonians, but He's he's drawn their vision to God. He's called them and beckoned them to the greatness of God. And now it's like a, as a good spiritual father, he goes, "You can do this. Yeah, you got it." Now, try, try, man, my prayer is that God will draw your hearts to this to actually yeah. believe that you can walk through this path. Whatever. He's also saying your grandpa, your grandpa did it. Your great grandfather <laughs> did it. Yeah. It's like, you know, why are you questioning it? You know, kind of thing. And that's what I got out of it was just like, man, here's Paul talking to spiritual children, but he's reminding them that Jesus went through these horrific, yeah. you know, um, uh, per this persecution, these, the, the sufferings that he's done for us. So he's just reminding them that, you know, if you think this is bad, think, remember what, what I've gone through, but also think back of what had Christ had done for you, you as well. So, this yep. is our example. This is our, exactly. our model. Yeah. Yep. The one who plays yep. the trail for us to follow. So yep. stay in it. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Man. All right. Well, that's the text. So let's kind of maybe let's kind of talk about maybe three four things. There's already some stuff jumping into my mind from this <laughs> that are, I think, just in our friendship, you know, and in just us as fellow followers of Jesus here at Cornerstone. Let's let's see if we can't lay down some just things that that we really need to understand in our time. All right. So obviously in verse three, from just a landing this, 
that statement, but the Lord is faithful. Mm -hmm. I think it's, uh, it's right in the middle of it, right? Like you can't, you kind of can't miss that statement and how important all of this little section is, is, is the faithfulness of God. Now on one side of it, there's the issue of prayer, mm -hmm. which we need to, we definitely need to talk about on the other side of it is just this confidence that Paul had to walk him through it. But maybe just for a second, and I'll kind of kick it off down this road, and then Christian, you can you can dive in on this as well, is that I think sometimes we get this idea that when we say God is faithful, we shouldn't have worry, concern, huh. mm. struggle. When we are in the midst of it, maybe a, a guilt or a shame that I'm going, God, I don't want to... I don't want to go down this path, but you know, you brought it between the break, Christian. Mm. Jesus said, if there's any way, let this mm. cup pass. Mm -hmm. Maybe just for a second, could you kind of talk about how does the faithfulness of God and my own just struggling heart kind of kind of go together in the midst of this? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question because it's, you know, for for me in my life, I've just seen him over and over again. Um the times that that I had no faith in him or lacked faith or didn't think he, he's not going to answer this kind of prayer. Um, he did. He, maybe he didn't do it in the way I expected him to do it. Sure. Right. But he did answer the prayer. And so it, I, I think, I think we have a tendency of our, our, our faith in him or our lack of faith in him or his faithfulness to us. Um, is dependent on the situation, right? Whether it's a, you know, we're, we're praying for, you know, something that we want ourselves and, um, you know, like, oh, Lord, please give me a, you know, new house or a car, whatever it's going to wind up being something that's more materialistic than, than anything else. And, you know, he may, he may think that if your heart's set and right, that you, you that house is a good option for you, or maybe it's a good answer of prayer, but then again, he may not. Yeah. And so, but I think we have this tendency to only be maybe sometimes praying to him for things that, that are a want or a desire more than they are to be just, he wants to hear you. And he, you know, he, he want he knows your heart, but he wants to hear your heart it just in those seems circumstances. In the midst of suffering, I don't know how you guys are, but when, when things get hard, I have so many mixed emotions, mixed mm, thoughts. Yeah. I'm not even sometimes sure what to do in that particular moment. And it it seems to be here in verse two, he talks about this idea that it's okay that we may be delivered from the evil one, right? In some yeah. ways, to actually honestly pray for escape, you'll see this like one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 13, where David is praying the how long, how long, right? It's an mm. onomatopoeia. It sounds like what it is. He just this Hebrew word, like just that, God, like how much longer is this going to, to take place? Mm. But there does, there, there's this way in which, like, I think the honesty of sometimes praying and just saying, Lord, I'm struggling yeah. through right now. I, yeah. I actually want to be delivered. I, yeah. But I, I think like not having a shame about that, but an honest, transparent conversation with God, this suffering's hard. Mm -hmm. And it would almost be wrong to not want it. It would be dishonest. Yeah. Like, I think it's like playing games with God in a weird way, saying, oh, no, don't, don't look behind this curtain over here where I'm actually struggling and heartbroken and... And wondering, God, if you really are going to faithfully walk me through this, right? Those, mm. as if God doesn't already know that. It's like there's that classic meme, I don't know if you've seen it, of like the dog sitting at the desk and yeah. the whole room is on fire. And the little speech bubble says, this is fine. It's <laughs> like, 
no, this is this is not fine, right? Like, like and to be able like to feel that freedom. I think what you're talking about there is that feel feel that freedom with God to go, Lord, this is not fine, and I'm not enjoying this, and I don't want to stay in it, and I want to yeah. be delivered, right? And I think like you can't read the Psalms and not see that the the Psalm writers actually asked for deliverance. Mm. Yeah, over and over it, again, it was yeah. it was put in Scripture and it was given us as a model to look at. But yet, in a weird way, I think we almost feel ashamed, guilty, like mm. we're not trusting God to be honest with God and to say, "Man, I, I want this." Now, the beauty of this text is is like what Jesus, who is our the, the one we're faithful following is, is that he said, yeah, I made this cup, but not my will, well, yes, but yeah, but yours yeah. be done, right? Just that reality. And, and you, none of you heard this because Robin was talking to us in the middle of it, but she <laughs> talked about this, this reality in her own, like kind of low moments where she learned to find the faithfulness of not God tomorrow or the next day, but Lord, can you just faithfully walk with me through this today? today each day, right? just day after day, right? Is that, I, and I think sometimes again, we can, we can maybe almost make it a little too sexy on suffering and forget that su mm. suffering is hard. It's painful. It's difficult. Yeah. And in the midst of that, though, we, we, I think it's, it's, that's where we learn the faithfulness of God, right? We, it's one thing to know it cognitively because we've read it over and over again, mm. but then to see it and experience it as we cry out and are honest and see the deliverance, maybe not like to your point, like we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Like in, in in First Corinthians ten, the way we thought it might be is I'm going to get out. The way actually he did is that he might now <laughs> sustain you, us yeah, and, yeah. and allow us to stand, stand up under the yeah. difficulty. It's there. I think that the steadfastness of Christ when he says yeah. that in verse five, of this may the Lord direct set your sights on that. The, get your hearts there. Jesus, the one who hoopamoned, who remained under yeah the the suffering, the cup that his father gave him to drink. Okay, set your sights on that. May the Lord. Fix your hearts on that. So. Yeah, and so like there's one side of it where it's the honesty, but then there's like this, again, I don't know where you guys are as you've walked through difficulty, but then it's setting my heart on the reality of, okay, Lord, if you ask me to walk through this, mm -hmm. it's for your glory, and it, this is actually for my good, mm -hmm. right? Your yeah. faithfulness and transforming to the image of Jesus so that I might be like Christ. So mm -hmm. my heart, where my heart is and who I am, right? Where your heart is there, you're going to surely follow after that, mm -hmm. is that I think it's then those moments of setting your heart on going, okay, Lord, the, the way you're going to deliver is to actually allow me to stand under, Yeah, right? yeah. which is for me, again, I've that was those have been hard prayers mm -hmm. because I wanted mm -hmm. out. I didn't want to stay in. I... But yet, you know, we always, the hindsight 2020 thing, right? We look back and we're like, oh my gosh, like I'm a completely different person hmm. because of walking through it, which is important. I think that's the cool combination when you look at verse two and three together. We have the freedom to pray for deliverance from wicked and evil men, from trial, from suffering. We have that freedom. Like Paul even says, pray for this for me. But then in chapter in verse three, the promise that the Lord who is faithful will establish you and guard you. Like there's a sense of deliverance may or may, or may not come. We're, we're, we're welcome and invited to pray for that. But the promise is that, again, come smooth sailing or stormy seas, the Lord is, who is faithful is able to establish us, make us stable in the midst of that. Mm -hmm. Okay, do I trust that? You know, it's like, and in that way, then I'm not evaluating God's faithfulness to me based upon how smooth the sailing is or how quickly the deliverance may come. 
the faithfulness, like the Psalm 23 faithfulness is even if you call me to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know you're with me there. I know you're with me there. I know you can uphold me there. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's interesting. I was just, I was just having to be looking at something, that word for will establish, will strengthen, you know, that word that's mm-hmm. there. It, the way that it's used is of a, it was used of like a cane for a person that was an old man walking, wow. right? Where it's like, support, like the, yeah. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I just have the note. I'm looking down at something out of, I was looking at the Greek text and I was looking at just the word that's used there and it just popped up where it's just like, he, mm. he, will, he will be that sustainer yeah. when you feel like you're not going to be able to, to stand, when you feel weak, wow. when you're... Need he's yeah. that one, you know, where it's like oh, stability wow. outside of yourself that right? has, yeah, that is nothing in and of you, wow. but it's something provided that that walks you through it, which is pretty cool. There was something I was thinking about as we were talking about it too, where Paul's asking for this that they would pray for this deliverance from evil men, but he's going to keep going forward. Right? He's yeah. like, pray that the Lord would speed or the word of the Lord would speed ahead and be honored, and that we'd be delivered because not all have faith. But come what may, he's going to still seek to have the word of the Lord go forward and be honored. And it made me think of what Paul, I had to look it up. I couldn't remember where it was. But at the end of the First uh, Corinthians, when Paul's talking about how I'm going to stay in Ephesus, and he makes a statement in First Corinthians 16, 9, where he says, For a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Like the two were not in conflict with each other. A wide door for effective ministry has been opened to me. And there's a lot of obstacles. There's a lot of adversaries in the midst of this. And it made me think of even like having Christina uh, stand up there this Sunday representing the, the organization, organization Elam. And she talked about, are there are there obstacles and adversaries to, to doing gospel work in a place like Iran? Absolutely. But yet it's a, how she put it, she said, it's a closed country with an open heart. Yeah. Mm. There is an open-heartedness among the people. There is a wide door for effective ministry. And there's adversaries. And the two come together yeah. in the work of the gospel most often. You know? So yeah. maybe just we had talked about wanting to land this a little bit. I know for me, when I think about the people at Cornerstone as one of the leaders, um, I don't know how often you guys get it, but people that walk up and just say, I pray for you all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And gosh, like you read a text like this, and you start to realize like what a privilege it is yeah, to be a absolutely. shepherd at a church where you know you've got people that I mean and I'm not talking just every once in a while people tell me this. They tell yeah. me this all of the time. I pray mm-hmm. for you weekly. I pray for you, even some of them pray for us daily. Like what an yeah. amazing reality as shepherds, right? That that those doors are open, the obstacles are there. But to know that these these brothers and sisters in Christ that we walk with, man, they they pray. Yeah, they they respond to this to passages like this, and they do what God's called them to do, which is so huge. Yeah, yeah. I talked in my my sermon a little about this knitting of hearts together in prayer, and I, I and that. I think it it for me it was just it's almost like if I'm going to be in the trenches, I want to be in trench in the trenches with people that have that want to pray, that want to, or really want to be obedient to the Lord. And that's what, that's that knitting what, that I thought, you know, as, as I, as I made that statement was that, you know, it's just joining together in, in commonality, right. in unity and, and, and being the desires to have that, that prayer answered. Right. And the desires to have, to, to be a joining as one in order to do that. And that's why I really wanted to bring that to attention to the, 
to the body was like, yeah, we, we covered your prayers, but that that's good. Mm-hmm. It's great. feels great, but we want you to join us. Yeah. And, you know, and then we love that you're jo- you're praying for others as well and love. And, and that's the, the point I wanted to make in that is that as a shepherd at Cornerstone, knowing the body's praying for us, knowing that we have those saints that are on their knees, you know, just begging and crying out that, that we uphold scripture, mm-hmm. that we come along people, that we are faithful to the Lord is just, um, it's, it's part of being in the trenches with them. And I, and I, and I so love that. It's just, I, I was hoping that, you know, my heart that, you know, last weekend really came out in that and, and asking the body to let's stop. Mm-hmm. Like Paul did stop. Let's pray together. Let's pray for some specific things. And, and I think it was, uh, I, I, I was blessed, yeah. you know, yeah. even in the, I mentioned them in the morning before service, when I walked and I was just walking the rows and praying for just the faces I see every week, you know, and it's, and some in the same seats, some not, but I, but, but I, by their name, I know them. And it's like, man, what a blessing it is to know that they're faithful week after week after week. Wow. And, mm-hmm. and, and I just hope that we can inspire them, you know, and through our teaching for that. So. Amen. And so in the same way, I, I totally echo what both of these guys say it is a privilege it is an honor to know that so many of you regularly pray for us for our wives for our families we are so grateful for that and at the same time kind of like paul did here for the please keep praying for us and if you haven't been regularly praying for us as we pray and elders please (laughs) please do we we love that we love getting to pray for you even like i can speak for all of us as elders our favorite thing that we get to do is when we get to pray for you. It's a precious thing. And so please join us in the amazing heart knitting gift that God has given us of having his ear, of getting to talk with him and oh share gosh. our hearts with him. Blessing. It is a beautiful thing. <laughs> I remember there's a, and we'll just bring it to a close this way. There was a, a man that was instrumental in the life of my grandfather. Mm. And, uh, I mean, they would milk cows and pray together and do different <laughs> things, you know, and it was just, but it was so formational in my grandfather's walk with Jesus. And, uh, later on, I got to actually do just kind of small amounts of ministry with this guy, which is so strange to me, right? The very guy that discipled my grandpa in some ways is pouring his life into me, which is wow. a cool thing. But I remember him saying to me one time, he's, he just talked about, it. he goes, Todd, never forget this, that, your prayer life is in direct variation. So in other words, hmm. it's a direct you know, reality between your understanding of God's faithfulness. The extent to which you understand God's faithfulness is the extent to which you will pray. Hmm. People that understand the faithfulness of God, they, they wow. pray. And I pray for a cornerstone that oh, we would just wisdom. know faithfulness <laughs> as a concept, mm. that we would know faithfulness in and through a group of people that believe it so much that we fall to our knees mm-hmm. and understand the one that, that answers prayer, the one that protects from the evil one, the one who delivers, the one who draws our hearts right to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ, that we would believe that that, that prayer is, is a mechanism to, to move into the life in the hearts of you're going to make me cry. Yeah, uh, and I don't, the people can't see your emotion, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're the one of all of us. So that you cry a little. I need some <laughs> tissue, Robin. We're getting some tissue. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you so much uh, for for being with us today. And what what these guys have already said, I'll just say to you, we we truly do love this church, mm-hmm. and we love that we're in this beautiful partnership, this family, brothers and sisters that are following our faithful God, our, our true, true big brother, the true one and only son, Jesus Christ. And so uh, stay faithful. Uh, God is faithful. 
be in the word, enjoy unpacking those amazing truths, but don't forget that those truths aren't just meant to unpack by yourself. They're meant to unpack inside of a local church with mm. with friendships and specifically this local church, mm. Cornerstone. So God bless you all and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Mm-hmm.